Three score! I declare bankruptcy! Bears eats Battlestar Galactica. Depression? Isn't that just a fancy word of feeling bummed out? Why, you ignorant slut! Not only the years we've been at war, but from the moment, as a child, when we realized that the world could be conquered. Welcome to Great Scott, the Office Podcast. I'm Jay Ray, and with me is my desk mate, Jacob. Hey, what's going on, guys? How's it going? Everyone happy? Good times? All that good stuff? <laughs> we come to you, uh, we're a little late, <clears throat> recording on Monday night as opposed to releasing on Monday morning. Uh, right ahead of a crazy nor'easter that the East Coast is supposed to be getting. I don't know what it's like over there by you. Uh, they're calling for between four and eight inches, so that means we'll get get somewhere between one and thirty. Because the weather, the weather guys here are terrible. <laughs> they're so bad. I got you. Yeah, we're supposed to get somewhere between like six and twelve, and then we we're just up in Boston, and they're supposed to get something like twelve and twenty. So yeah. Because you know, my seen... job's already called. My job's already said that the office is closed. So that's pretty sweet. That must be nice. I hate you a little, especially right after the time change, man. The time change totally won for me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like I was dragging so much ass this morning, it was terrible. <laughs> um, well, just uh, do some um, housekeeping here at the top of the uh, show. Uh, if you don't know. Uh, our network, Broken Jars, is doing a Patreon. So if you visit uh, patreon.com slash brokenjars, you can become a Patreon of our network. Um, so that's great, Scott. That's um, all the Shylock's gaming content, Dangerous to Go Alone, Geek Stuff, the High Fantasy, which is a writing podcast Jacob runs, and then yep. we got Dresden Files, which is uh, one of the more popular uh, Dresden Files kind of conversational pieces around the internet. So we do a lot of stuff. Our Patreons uh, get access to some uh, cool little things. They get to join our Discord channel and like a nice little private thing. And they talk to us all the time. I mean, we talk to them all the time. We talk to them as often. Pretty much every day. We talk to each other. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's that's a fun thing. And then as we continue to grow and stuff, we'll, we'll think of more fun things. We've, we've tossed around some ideas, but we're just kind of waiting for that time to open up to do the do, so to speak. Hashtag Mountain Dew. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's uh, it's been fun. Um, you know, super big thanks to everybody who's um, joined up. It's it's good to see there's actually some great Scott fans now in our Discord channel, which is nice because for a while it was a little Dresden Files heavy, and I'm like the only guy on the network, and only person rather on the network who doesn't uh, read Dresden Files. So <laughs> they were geeking out, and I was like, I don't know what any of you are talking about. <laughs> I was trying to be super like nice to these new people, and I'm like, you guys are a bunch of nerds, <laughs> which is not my kind of nerds. That was the problem. Yes, but we're not here to you know talk just about y'all giving us money, which we would like. But we're here to talk about the office. Uh, we are in season four, coming up the the home stretch of the season, and first off, we have Night Out, season four, episode eleven. Written by Mindy Kaling, directed by Ken Whittingham. Actually, we got some uh, pretty big, uh, pretty big guys for all three episodes tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess as they come to the, you know, we, we've mentioned it before, but this is a weird season because this was the season during that big writer strike back in two thousand eight. So right. it's a shorter season. Um, 
you know, I don't know how much of it was written prior to the strike or not or whatever, but obviously I think a lot of shows suffered that year. And um, so I think maybe that's why a lot of like the cast members or something stepped up more to do some of that stuff just to kind of keep the show rolling while giving the support to the writers who are striking. Right. And something I kind of like, I think you can kind of feel is that they had to truncate some stuff in the season because I feel like Michael's dating after Jan would have been would have been a lot bigger thing Mm. in the show. Because, you know, after dinner party, he goes right into chair model. And right. he says something to, to Pam to make it seem like the dinner party was a while ago in chair model. And so and you kind of get that feeling in here where he's really trying to find somebody to date, you know, because he. Uh, it starts off with it, um, someone asking, how did the date go, Dwight? And I, I think they're referring to another date entirely that isn't right. Pam's landlady. So Michael's been doing some stuff on his own. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it makes it sound like it's more than a week or two or whatever. It's right, because I mean, he makes it sound like he's been out with like multiple women. Hmm. You know, it's like, he's like, not that they're great or don't have great personalities, but they're, he, he doesn't say they're ugly, but he essentially says they don't look like Cindy Crawford. I mean, who does? Right. But, <laughs> but my question is, who who is Mike finding that will actually date him <laughs> like <laughs> yeah i mean people who don't know him so people who, who aren't uh, forewarned um yeah it's tough i mean we know he um he's signed up for a dating site under the name little kid lover that was like what season two <clears throat> yeah. well yeah so maybe that's starting to turn a profit a bit you know maybe he got <laughs> maybe back into so. it yeah um yeah i don't know though i mean maybe more people are setting him up you know but it's uh, yeah, it's 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 not a hundred percent clear. I mean, maybe also he's considering things dates that aren't dates, or I'm just thinking about this now. Maybe he's lying, saying he's going on a date, but not really. You know? Yeah, but I don't know. If if you were gonna be lying about dating, you would think he would be like, oh yeah, they're so hot, and I just can't choose. And right. You know, you yeah, don't. Um, I I don't know what season it is, but that one bit where uh, oh, when he breaks up with Holly. Right, and he tells the office that uh, they're actually engaged. Right. Yeah, so right, when he lies, he lies in the positive. Well, and there was another one, like he he lies about several different girlfriends. Like he lies about having a girlfriend to Holly. Mm. Uh, there's another one where he tells like <gasps> Dwight he was just making it all up. The date was, he was just making the date all up. I cannot remember where it is now. It's when his foot's broken, I think. Yeah, you're right, you're yeah, right. Yeah, he's lying to Jim about it. Yeah, yeah he's like, I th- why don't you just call your girlfriend? He's like, oh, I made it up. Yep, he's screaming on the phone, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, well, first thing, he get the cold open is he gets gum in his hair. Right. And so Dwight starts slathering up him up with a good peanut butter. And, it, and this is sort of a, a recurring question that we have, but why does Dwight do this for Michael? Like, why? I just don't understand. Um, yeah, you know, I think um, this season two, especially in like the next episode, Dwight starts to show some more rebellion against Michael than he has in the past. So something like this is really odd because um, there's an instance where there's 
this undying loyalty, but then there's also this kind of like renegade behavior thing. <clears throat> um, because here, obviously, he's rubbing peanut butter, and Michael said too much peanut butter, but he's still rubbing it in. Um, that's what she said, and that's two. That's two in like 15 minutes. <laughs> um, I think that's what she said again. Okay, <laughs> done. Um, but then in Did I Stutter, he's got that whole like crisis management map or whatever. Right. Um, and he's like doing this technique where he's trying to like Jedi mind trick people into doing quick answers. Um, and then when is um maybe it's not till season five? Yeah, season five. No, I don't know. When do they do that roast of Michael Scott? Uh, season five. That's season five. Um, cause same thing, Dwight kind of flips at some point and then calls him a little man and yada yada. So I feel like this is like the trend of Dwight starting to get to that point where he's not such a, a Michael lover anymore, you know? Right. Maybe. Is that season five? Uh, I think it's season five. I could be wrong though. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not this season cause we're almost done. Um, but I think it's gotta be season five cause then. Holly's around. I don't know. Maybe did it already happen? No, right? No, we would have. We would. We would have talked about that. Bad office fans. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh. Anyway, so we're so that happens, and then Ryan shows up. And this is another one of those just like weird relationships with Michael, because like Mike Ryan does not like Michael at all, at all. Right. But for some reason, you know, he just defends Ryan to everybody all the time. Mm-hmm. And Ryan is having everyone come in to re-enter sales they made, a sales made by the website, right. which is what he goes to prison for. That's right. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting that they kind of set it up here. And I remember watching this for the first time and going, huh, that doesn't sound legit. And then a couple mm-hmm. episodes later, he's like, oh, right, that is fraud. <laughs> right. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, well, like, Ryan is, like, looking a little more disheveled, too. He doesn't have, like, his suit's not as pristine as it had been. He's got, like, a, you know, he's wearing just a shirt, and it's kind of unbuttoned and stuff. He's clearly, like, on the ropes when he's, like, trying to take these um, questions from the office when he gets in. Right. Um but just before he goes into that meeting, there is an odd interaction between him and Jim where Jim is like, hey, let me spit this idea at you, bro. Um, but Ryan reveals that he's heard the idea from David Wallace and that there's there's some, what does he say, uh, watch your back, Jim. Right. Which is kind of weird, which is also setting up this um, Ryan-Jim rivalry. Um, that, is that how, I think that's how season five opens is with him going to jail. Uh, season now it's happened. He goes to jail and goodbye. Goodbye, Toby. Right. Mm -hmm. Season five, he comes back uh, to replace Pam. That's right. Yep. So, uh, at some point, cause there was, there was Ronnie was there for a while and then, right. Then, uh, yeah. Cause Ronnie's in, um, in the part of the, uh, weight loss or whatever. Yeah. Rice or Ronnie. (laughs) <laughs> the um the roast of Michael Scott takes place during stress relief, which is season five. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um. Okay. Anyway, so and we learn about all these just terrible, terrible things that are happening with the website. Mm. So it's yeah, been okay. infiltrated by pedophiles. <laughs> yep. Which I do remember back in the day because this was like this was oh eight. So like every 
like not too long after Facebook got huge and everybody wanted social networking on their site. Like it's just, that's what they, that's what they wanted. It could have, it could have been selling paper or selling cars and they wanted a social feature. Yeah. I mean, I, they, I don't know. Ryan's uh, explanation. And again, at this point, they're not really painting Ryan as the wonderkin he was previously. Well, um, he was more of a, wo- a wonderkin in his own mind. Is useless also. Like, yeah. Ryan is definitely one of those people where his opinion of himself is a whole lot higher than it should be. Yeah, it's true. And we also, during this interaction, like, Kelly said something like, I don't know exactly what she said. I think it was the, if I had made so many uh, websites, so many problems, I'd kill myself. And Ryan's all like, do you have any questions? It is one of my all-time favorite Kelly lines. Like, well, first, how dare you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. And then uh, Michael comes in to save the day with his weird, awkward, slow clap. Yeah. He's like, I'm not clapping sarcastically. Um, yeah. Sorry, I think I got uh, my my heaters kicking in, guys. I'm in a new room. If uh, you're watching on the YouTubes, <laughs> so I'm still trying to get my setup here. But um, yeah, so Ryan basically gets toasted in that meeting. Um, everybody disperses after Michael kind of uh, sticks up for him, and then as they exit, Michael gives Ryan a hug and says, uh, "Man, what's the line? Because it's it's a specific line. I think Ryan, I'm so lonely, or something like that. Yes, something like that." Yeah, but it's an awkward hug, and Ryan uh, orders Michael to let him go immediately. Um, and then this is kind of where we get the ball rolling for the main plot of this episode, um, where Michael's saying, hey, you know, do you know ladies in New York? And Ryan's like, uh, no, not really. Well, but he's really, like, do you know any yeah. ladies in New York who would like a guy like me? He's like, no, not really. But then Ryan starts bragging, he's like, but you should see the la- the women I meet right. in New York. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know. I've never gone clubbing in New York, so I don't know if you know, the way this is portrayed is real or not. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't... I've never gone clubbing, so... I, I you know, all these raves and farmhouses and the, the crazy nightclubs that don't serve mozzarella sticks, these are things I take as truth because the TV told me so. Kids, clubs are stupid. <laughs> That's just... <laughs> I, I've never been a fan of the, the like the ns, 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 yeah. all night and you can't hear anything and yeah maybe maybe I've always just been an old soul at least that's what I <laughs> tell myself but him and Dwight they decide we're gonna go to New York which is well, this then, oh, go ahead. yeah the, the side plot is set up during that meeting also because essentially the office staff has to stay behind the next day Saturday to enter those sales um, onto the website because they hadn't been doing it already. Mm-hmm. When Michael and Dwight decide to go to hang out with Ryan in the city, you know, utilizing his half invite or whatever, uh, Jim comes up with the idea of them staying late on Friday night so that they could get that work done so they can have their weekend. So then this is where our two plots start to Right, diverge. and it's kind of interesting that this is the second time this season that Michael splits with Dwight to go to New York because of something Ryan has done. Because mm-hmm. it happened in a launch party. Right. You know where they go. And so that's just weird to me. That. Yeah. I mean, because again, Dwight still has some of this loyalty going on and it's like his, like, you know, 
I mean, because he just kind of extrapolates everything to be bigger than it really is. So Michael's like, "Let's go to the city," and Dwight's like, "Yeah." And he's yeah. Just, like, "80s, like, yeah, I need some bro time," and starts <laughs> bad mouthing Angela, which I'm not sure what more chain than ball means. I haven't. I still haven't quite uh, figured yeah. out that Andyism. Like, Andy's just one of those guys who just says things. Yeah, so, yeah. I could go all sorts of weird places, but I won't. <laughs> but, like, but Michael is so optimistic. Like, yep, I'm probably gonna be wearing the same clothes I had on. Yeah, I'm gonna go get laid. You know, he's like so in his head. He's just like, he's gonna be John Favreau and swingers and. Which I tried to watch and I didn't, this is probably internet heresy, but I didn't think was all that good. <laughs> well, it's, it's dated for sure. You know, this is like, a, it's like an early 2000 movie kind of thing. And I think it was hip for the time. I think trying to watch it in the, uh, the teen aughts is like difficult because, you know, Vince Vaughn's really unpolished and John Favreau isn't really like a leading man per se. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Like I knew so many people who loved, swingers and it just didn't like i was like oh it was on netflix i'm like man i've heard so much about this movie for so long (laughs) maybe i should check it out and then it was terrible (laughs) yeah um so so again we know ryan's invite wasn't like a sincere invitation we didn't even invite him he said you he never said you should come party with me he just said you should see the girls i meet that's right um but michael and dwight go to the city Right. Jim presents his idea to Pam. Pam loves it, and the office stays behind, and now they're working late. So we'll shift gears here. So what ends up happening is that they do all the work, and as they are about to leave the parking lot, they find out that the gate is locked because of the security guard. Right. Uh, Because Jim didn't tell Hank (laughs) uh, that they were staying behind. Um, So they're going to go back up to the office to call Hank, and Pam's already locked the office door. From the inside. Right. So in this interesting kind of twist of like these are the two people who are usually kind of like, you know, they're knowledgeable about the schemes that are going on and they're usually kind of like immune to the craziness. Uh, But they are now the epicenter of it because everybody's kind of upset at their poor planning, you know. Right. And then, you know, so there's Phyllis throws some shade towards Jim. He's like. You know, because they start talking about, you know, giving him a big Christmas tip or whatever. It feels like Jim was supposed to collect it last year. And part of me wonders, like, is that, did Jim really forget or was Phyllis just being a bitch? <laughs> you know, because I could, I could yeah, see her saying I, that I, just to be me. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, I'm willing to bet that uh, Jim probably did forget. Um, th- I mean, there's a lot of times, especially this season, where Jim is like, I don't know. Jim, I think as I continue to watch, especially this time, Jim is kind of a dick. So I think he's kind of selfish. And I think this job was put in front of him and, you know, being kind of like this guy who just kind of scoots by all the time doesn't just do it because it's not essential to his job, you know. Um, And he figures no one's going to really realize that he didn't collect the money. And then this situation happens, which kind of throws him under the bus. Yeah. And, you know, especially this season, you like, He's never really cared about his job, but now that, like, he's got Pam, he really doesn't care about his job. It's true. Yeah. Uh, so um, we we flash back yeah. to New York City. They meet up with Ryan in in the club, 
or in a club because we go to two clubs and he's tweaking on something what what's your guess on the what he in you know internet please help us out what what do you think he's tweaking on i think it's coke x some kind of amphetamine it could be a couple things um but i'm gonna say definitely coke because like he's playing with his nose um and it's like the rich person drug you know it's yeah. like the guy in the suit on Wall Street drug is cocaine. Molly's kind of like an E or kind of like young people dancing things. Um, it's definitely not weed. <laughs> <clears throat> no, not unless he's just like mainlining Red Bull on top of that weed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah but I'm going to say he's definitely got a bit of a coke problem going on. That's, yeah. That's or, an expensive or habit. Crack. Could be, yeah. Because there's that joke later on where someone says, oh, my God, it's like crack. And then Ryan kind of goes off. He's like, I hate when people say like crack. Like, have you ever done crack? Um, and maybe Ryan's done crack, which I think is just supposed to be like cheap, shitty cocaine. If it's if, if, uh, if my always sunny joke history is accurate. <laughs> um, yeah, but he's he's kind of out of his mind and he's talking really fast. And we meet his friend. Troy Underbridge, um, who Dwight instantly thinks looks like a hobbit. For obvious reasons. The guy's like four or five or something. Yeah, he's got a great big beard. <laughs> but, um, so do you like think Troy is the dealer? Not specifically. I think they're probably just drug bros together. <clears throat> well, I mean, I don't know. I don't. Troy, Troy didn't seem like he was drugged out unless he was just on something that's a bit more... Let him stay more cognizant. Well, I always thought too, and I'm going to look it up here, but um, that Troy was also an employee of Dunder Mifflin. I mean, Ryan calls him a banking wizard in this episode, so I thought he just—I thought he was a Wall Street kind of guy. Well, because I think there's a situation moving forward where uh, Troy actually fills in for Ryan for some reason. Um. Da da da. Oh, he's well. We see him in season seven. He stars as a thug of Golden Faces. Yeah, which raises all types of questions about when that was shot. <laughs> yeah the the timeline for uh, for Michael Scott or for Threat Level Threat Level Midnight is just all over the fucking place. Yeah. Um. Oh, he's uncredited. He's in the deposition, but he's uncredited. So, which is actually before this, right? That was beginning. Well, it was three episodes, four episodes, three episodes ago. And I mean that uh, that episode takes primarily place in that Dunder Mifflin office in New York. So that's why I'm thinking maybe he's an employee of Dunder Mifflin proper, but maybe he's like in the finance department. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but I could be full of shit. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, um, yeah. So we meet. Troy and they're at this club and Ryan's trying to talk to some uh, not Ryan so uh, Michael and Dwight show up and they're like trying to say Ryan it's us and it doesn't really seem like Ryan's recognizing them or if he is he's not having the appropriate reaction Ryan would normally have based on how right he's super excited to see him and now Michael's it's like it's me and Dwight he's like I know it is and (laughs) it's like oh dude and I do love that uh, I think it's later. Um, yeah, it's got to be later. Where they're talking to him and like, 
talking about like he owns like talking about Dwight owning his own beet farm and weevils and how it's just like in you know intense or insane or whatever he's like wow what a crazy word man that's just too much for me i gotta go to the bathroom um yeah and then this is where if you haven't figured it out yet uh, the writers really kind of shove it in your face where dwight says but you've gone several times and like ryan's obviously shady about it or whatever i'll um, order you some cranberry juice up. with vodka in it <laughs> yeah um so back in Scranton, mm-hmm. everybody's kind of sitting in the lobby area, and they have finally figured out how to call the security guard. Right, because Toby has it. He feels so good because, like, Pam's all like, oh, Toby, you're the best. Yeah, um, but Toby does not have Hank's name in his phone, just the right. security guard. So Jim does this really terrible kind of like, hey, you're the uh, African-American. Yeah, uh, there's like 18,000 yeah. different ways. He's like... <laughs> You're the security guard at the business park, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's terrible. But they do connect, and um, he is able to get Hank to say that he'll come down. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the time frame is not great. It's a while. And in this under, conversation happens a couple hour. times. Yeah, that's right. And he'd get there faster if Jim would stop interrupting him while he was putting on his socks. <laughs> Um, so that's going on um, there. But again, the, the tension is rising against everybody who is not liking this whole Jim and Pam thing going on. Right. Um, Michael's not having luck in the city. He talks to a young lady who doesn't even know what Back to the Future is. I don't know. That, to me, seems like a bit of a stretch. That's like not knowing what Star Wars is. You know, in the popular culture, I mean, not saying you've seen it, but you've, it's so ingrained in the popular culture that you at least know what it is, know of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think there are, I mean, if she's drunk or if she's on something else and she has a really, you know, loose knowledge of what Back to the Future is when she's sober, it's possible that she would have forgotten it. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, she also could be like, 21 right there you know i mean when did this come out how old was i so this is 2008 i graduated high school in 2006 not to make my my buddy here feel too old (laughs) but um so yeah i was probably 20 or so myself but i obviously am a geek person so that's why like you and i are saying it sounds like crazy that she wouldn't know but um you yeah know, maybe, maybe i just have too high of opinion of random girls at bars that i think they would least <laughs> back to the future is. um i forget there's Michael, people not like us jay ray i forget no i know it's true there's normal of, people people with yeah. lives and <laughs> the old normies yeah <laughs> Um, and then Michael reveals that he's in his 40s and the girl like instantly loses interest. She's like, all right, I got to bounce. Um, and then after a brief discussion, Ryan's like, okay, well, let's go to a place where there's older girls. Older women, women. And Michael's like, older girls. That's right. Older girls. Um, so they end up going to this place and <laughs> sorry, my girlfriend got her, uh, we got a Breath of the Wild hat. Okay. And, and she's trying to like fit it in and stuff like that. 
Oh, and nice. we're still trying to work out this new recording thing, but she 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 looks great. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> she should make an um, appearance on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so they go to this new club or whatever, and it does seem to be a bit better because Michael's having a good conversation with a woman who uh, who who washes dogs. Oh, small pet grooming. Right. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he is a bank teller. Is that what he says? Because yeah, Ryan told him to say he's in finance. Right, but the thing is, like, all he has to do is tell the truth. Like, I'm a regional manager, and she would have been like, "Oh, you're," so, you know that. That has some cachet and some successfulness to it. Like, I'm the regional manager. Because at this point, it's a pretty big area. You know, it's like pretty much all of Pennsylvania, it sounds like. Um, Connecticut, you know. Yeah. So he's like, I, you know, all you had to do is be like, yeah, I'm regional manager of Dunder Mifflin. I might, you know, I can see over like three states or whatever. Right. (laughs) And he would have been golden. Yeah, it's true. Um, and yeah, not for nothing, but I assume, I'm going to assume that we shouldn't ever be taking Ryan's advice about anything, despite who, because they are generally just people who look like actual famous people. <laughs> like, uh, he hooked up with a woman who looked like Joanna from Survivor. Right. Um, but to get, well, one thing we, we, we need to hit is to get in, they're like, oh. they're, they're like, Ryan didn't know the bouncer, so they needed girls and they meet the Jersey State varsity team which is there a jersey state well that's the thing because i was just talking to my girlfriend about it and um so there's no college that is referred to as new jersey state but i was wondering if maybe the phrasing is supposed to be like they are the new jersey state champions you know and maybe without specifying a college but i don't know it just seems weird that um you know, half of those people are from Pennsylvania and stuff like that who are actually on the cast. So I feel like they would know a little bit about New Jersey college life because I'm sure a lot of their friends had gone to New Jersey colleges. Right. There's well, no New Jersey State. There's the the College of New Jersey. That's probably the closest uh, college I can think of in here that might be that. And I'm pretty sure they don't have a basketball team. <laughs> Good there old is a well, no. There's let's see. There's a New Jersey City University, the College of New Jersey. Uh, yeah, because well, there's a place here called Jersey City. So that if there's like a, a community college up here, maybe right. But they do they do say that they are um, they won some. They were like the Northeast Regional Champs or something. Right. So maybe maybe it was uh, just a uh, you know I mean, made up. I think they're just like saying stuff. Yeah, exactly. We weren't supposed to take stock, but I I noticed <laughs> those liars, those Amazonian liars. <laughs> but um, I mean, but to, yeah, so to me, the, I think that like you know, Dwight totally should have like hung out with the the blonde girl more. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, eventually they end up making out, so. Right. I mean, Dwight definitely has a way with the ladies in a way that Michael does not, right? Because, I mean, he gets Angela and they're dating for years. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty close to after they break up, the only thing that holds Dwight back is because he still likes Angela. But obviously, this basketball lady comes by, no problem. And then down the road, when um, Jim and Pam are getting married, he gets with Pam's bridesmaid. Well, that's like a thing for a while. Isn't it Pam's cousin? Like, she's related to Pam somehow. 
Uh, Isabel. Isabel friends. No, but. well, maybe I'm wrong. I know the but girl she's from the bridal party. Right. I know the girl from Pitch Perfect is supposed to be Pam's sister, yes. who we never see again, because mm-hmm. <laughs> she got all famous and made some movies. Um, and then, but I really thought she was related to Pam somehow. And I should know this. I have a podcast about this damn show. It's true, but we didn't get there yet. Your head's not in the right space, so it's all <laughs> makes sense. Uh, let's see. And it's really bad. Okay, so let's flash back to screen. Toby is like straight hitting on Pam in front of Jim. He's like, hey, I can teach you how to throw a football. It's like, oh, Toby, you can't, you can't do this. <laughs> so the other thing, too, is like Jim's not worried about it, you know? It's true. Um, and again, I think the joke of that scene anyways is Pam beaming Meredith on the back of the head with that football. Yeah. And then later we have the super awkward, like, like grab of Pam. Yeah. So they're talking about how it would have been nice maybe to come in on Saturday because Michael would have had like a thing. Mm-hmm. And um, Toby's joke is get your boss laid Saturday or some nonsense. Sure, right. So chuckles and then uh, yeah he gently puts his hand on her knee and kind of like caresses it and then jim just like is staring at it and andy gives this funny face i mean everybody's pretty surprised by the whole damn thing and um that's when toby reveals that he has decided to move to costa rica i think he decided that instant i think he had been thinking about it but i think he realized he had gone past the point of regular you know, human behavior in terms of what he could take at that place. Mm-hmm. And uh, he decided right then and there. So it was kind of funny because, you know, flashback to 2008, when this episode aired, me and some friends were already planning a trip to Costa Rica. So like I, I am my friend the next day because we always watch the ep- you know, office as it aired pretty much because we were too poor to have a DVR at the time. <laughs> and I was like, hey, you think we'll run into Toby at the airport? He's like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, then I guess it makes sense because he'll have to put his two weeks in or whatever, but then he's obviously in the rest of the episode through the season until Goodbye Toby. Right. Uh, yeah. But, and then, like, it was also really funny because then jumping ahead and um, at the end of... Is it the end of Goodbye Toby? No, is it the it's a, it's in it's during weight loss, where we find that Toby had broken his neck ziplining Costa Rica. I actually think it might be a little after weight loss. I feel like it's like you almost get the impression that Toby's no longer in the series at all, and then um, yeah, and then it's like two episodes in or something like that. I'll, I'll see. I'm if pretty I'm sure it's weight it. loss, but because uh, I you know. Because we went to Costa Rica in August of 08. So it wasn't too long after I got back where I'd been ziplining in Costa Rica that I found out that Toby had broken his neck ziplining in Costa Rica. Right. Uh, so Ryan so, gets too yeah. high, gets kicked out, whatever. Um, and they take him back to his apartment, which is a shithole. Which, I mean, it's a one bedroom, but in, you know, Manhattan, one bedrooms are... Or even studios are not cheap. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's garbage. They all get in. But, of course, I mean, at least Michael, he's all kind of, like, wowed by the whole thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, 
Well, because Ryan gets kicked out, right? Whatever drugs right. he's on has gone too far, and he's dancing up on a girl who starts beating the crap out of him. They got to pull him out of there. Um, as they're leaving, the Hobbit runs away, saying, "Don't take him to the hospital." Um, the blonde basketball player comes out saying, call me, but Dwight's like, Psh, nah, because he's a ladies man. Why not, man? Like he totally should have. Maybe he did. We just don't know. That's possible. That's true. Um, and of course too, when they start making out, Michael does take a picture and send it to the entire <laughs> office staff, which is also funny. Um, so we're in the apartment of Ryan and Ryan's just trying to go to sleep and Dwight's trying to sing him some German lullaby nonsense. And, uh, yeah, I mean, then Michael just has like this nice little talking head. And even though it didn't go out well with the dog washing lady because she left and went to go talk to another guy. And because Ryan's like cracked out of his mind and trying to pass out on the bed, um, I think it was a Michael reveals that it was like a nice confidence boost for him. Um, let's hear it for the boys, you know, boys on the side. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's about it. Oh, and then when Toby reveals he's going to Costa Rica, he runs out of the lobby, climbs the fence, makes it free. Um, eventually some cleaning people come by where Jim says, brings Oscar along, presuming they only speak Spanish. Oscar's very offended, but Mm -hmm. we find out that, um, they do only speak Spanish. So they get out, and then the end of that episode is Hank showing up eventually with the cleaning crew cleaning, all the cars gone only furthering his hatred for Jim Halpert. Does he ever really... I mean, it's, I don't think it's ever established that he hates Jim. No, not necessarily, but I mean, you know. Right. Hank is not the most uh, friendly guy to begin with. Right. All right, so what are you ranking this one? Well, I'm going to give it like a, a straight three out of five um, third world countries. <laughs> Uh, it, you know, it's a fine episode. You know, it it takes a lot of the there's a lot of weird things that happen. You know, the office people aren't in the office. We're in the city at this club, and there's a lot of these, you know, quick characters we run into. And I think, um, you know, it's fine. It's it does a lot of things in it. Yeah, I really like this episode. Uh, I gave it a, a three point nine out of five. It's not the horniness, but the loneliness. Uh, That's great. Yeah, I like that it sets up. I mean, it really sets up the rest of the, the season. We have the um, conflict between Ryan and Jim set up. We have to you know the fact that Toby. Re- we can tell that Toby really, really has a crush on Pam, which mm-hmm. comes up in two episodes. No, in the next episode. Um, you know, the stuff that Ryan gets arrested for, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So good episode, good pacing, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think the AB storyline, they're both pretty strong. So you don't have, like, it's not like one's, one's a big A and a small B. They're both really, really good, strong, strong. Well, like I said, they're both setting that, the plot in motion for Goodbye Toby, for like Toby to leave, for Ryan to get arrested. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and as an addendum to my previous comment, uh, Toby is discovered to have broken his back or whatever neck uh, in a ziplining thing. But weight loss was a two-part episode, so it was like not the first episode, but but it premiered. It premiered to. as an hour long in season five. Right, right. 
but um, on the DVDs, it's two separate episodes. I think uh, <laughs> I, I just felt like I had watched it separately. But yeah, you're you're totally right. It's definitely weight loss. Okay, so up next we've got. Uh, Did I stutter? Big episode for well, not really. Pretty much no no reason to interfere with the plot at all. Uh, but it's a really good episode for like the office kind of. Um, hierarchy and stuff like that and it really mm. puts uh, Stanley who honestly even up until now hasn't had a lot of moments to shine specifically like he'll get a line here or there right um, and even this episode even though he's pretty integral to the plot he's only really in it more at the end right yeah um, but uh, we start off well, what's the cold open I don't think there is a cold open yes yeah, really. the uh, it's the wet cement where Ron, or Michael bursts in the office and he figured out that there is so wet cement and he's trying to figure out what to do with it. And Mike, or not Michael, Jim c- convinces him to shove his face in the cement. That's right. Um, so then, so we're outside. Dwight's putting like a petroleum jelly all over his face. He's got a hairnet on of some type and he's got a straw for breathing. Jim is for whatever reason, saying some type of like commemorative words. Um, and then a, that's what she said. Joke happens where Michael delivers the line face covered in cement, which is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, so, I mean, I was thinking about this as I was watching it, but do we ever see this space hole again? Well, the thing is, is the hole is so big, they would have to come back and patch it. Right. Cause like everybody who would step in that vicinity would fall into this hole. Oh yeah. I mean, that's. It's like three inches deep or something. Right. And since it's owned by a company at this point, they would be responsible for any injuries. Right. So they definitely came back and like instantly cemented over it. Right. right. Like, you know, if you like write something in there, you're, no one's going to get hurt. There's no real reason to patch, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's great though, because then Michael's giving his little talking head after the fact, saying how like it's going to be nice to like show his kids that he made that face hole or whatever, and he's got like chunks of hard and cement in his hair still, so it's pretty good. <laughs> and then we we come in and we realize that uh, Pam had slept over at a friend's house and forgotten her contacts. I mean, it's Jim, right? Yeah, it's obviously Jim, but she's trying to play it off. Yeah, but so my my thought here really was. Do you really think, I mean, I didn't really have a problem with the glasses, but they're definitely quote unquote old woman glasses. Um, well, they're really thick. Well, I think that's probably the bigger thing is because when you're looking at her, her eyes are all like bugged out because like of the magnification. Um, but I don't think, um, you know, they're pretty typical like catty design. Right. They're but pink, so they're fun. I just don't think. Knowing her style, well, her style, Pam's style in the show, right. I don't see the, her picking those glasses. Hmm. I, I, I would see her picking something much more minimal, sleek, you know. Well, I think the thing, too, is depending on when she got them because post-relationship Pam is a little bit more, you know, ambitious. She lets her hair down. You know, she's wearing brighter colors. She's not so, like, drab as she used to be. Um, so if this is, if it's that Pam who picked it, then I could see what that is. But yeah, maybe if it was like Roy Pam, it'd be some type of like, uh, white, white shrew glasses. Well, no, I'm just, I don't know. I just don't see it. I don't see it. 
We need to get an internet petition to get Jenna Fisher on the show so we can ask her about well, her toys and glasses. <laughs> well, not for nothing, too, though. But I mean, like, you know, uh, I had some friends in college who, like, only wore contacts. And they needed glasses because you need glasses just in case your contacts crap out on you or whatever. So their glasses were, like, atrocious looking anyways. But why? I mean, they have the chance to pick them, right? Or they just like got got whatever was cheap and free. That's or? probably what it is, because mm. they're like, "Well, I'm always going to wear contacts. I don't ever need the glasses, and if so, I'm never leaving the house with these glasses on." So it could be something like that, right? I mean, in good frames can be expensive. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, not to not to toot my own horn, got these at Walmart, thirty five bucks for the whole thing, <laughs> no insurance, so. Yeah, I got, I got my first pair of glasses at six months old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. all the eye problems. Um, yeah, so, you know, uh, you know, I guess it, it's up to debate. We're, we're interested, audience, for to hear what you say. Would Pam wear those glasses, or was that a bad costuming choice? You decide. Okay, and um, uh, something else I think we learned for the first time. Okay, so Mike calls this meeting. Hmm. Actually, I'm going to back up again. So Michael starts kind of getting on to her about like, oh, you got to take the glasses off, you know, to be hot. And Michael's completely wrong here. Glasses are hot. There you go. Anyway. So, I don't know if that's a universal truth. I think you still have to be hot to begin with. Um, you know, I can't say that uh, I am naturally hot. <laughs> so that when I put my glasses on, I don't know if it makes me hotter. And similarly... I can't say that if I'm a schlub on the reg and then I pop these babies on, people are like, ooh la la, you know? So there definitely has to be some innate attractiveness, I think, prior to the bespeckledness. Yes, but glasses can add a nice element to a look. I hope someone out there is just taking notes. When you like make little insights to Jacob's like, you know, you know, that's your, that that'll be our follow-up podcast is like inside Jacob's mind. And we just kind of pull little comments you've made out of all your podcasts that are like, "Hey, Jacob likes glasses." Just 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 so we know. <laughs> but something we do learn here. I think this is the first time we we figure this out is Pam's middle name is Morgan. Which is an interesting choice for a middle name, I thought. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, different uh, cultures have different, like, so for example, my middle name is Goudier, which is weird. But in at least the way it was presented to me in Filipino culture, uh, you take your mother's maiden name. So me and my brother both have this weird middle name where I'm J. Ray Goudier Rivera. But my girlfriend, who was raised Catholic, has like two middle names because mm. one is like bestowed upon you, and then when you do your communion or whatever the hell, you get another one. So, uh, you know, it could be something like that, or I don't right. know. They like the Morgan. Yeah, well, and I also I'm also the person who like tries to find stuff in initials. I was like PMB. Does that? No, it doesn't really fit. So I always like, especially for shows where you know they're making up names. Like right. if they're actually like trying to like spell something out with the initials. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, uh, right, so we're in this meeting, this reinvigoration meeting where Michael is just trying to get ideas to kind of like generate sales and make the brand a little bit more hip and cool. Uh, we get a fun fake proposal from Jim where he's actually requesting some coffee. Um, I believe, is this the Zip and Pep meeting? Yeah. Yeah, so Andy says we should do a 
you know, incoming phone message with some zip and some pep. And then uh, Jim instantly comes in and he's like, well, we should do something with more zip and even more pep. And Michael's like, yes. Which is a, a recurring idea. joke for Jim. Yeah. The, the, where he's like, he ideas. says, well, he even does it with, he does it with Dwight too. Oh, with the, with the classy stuff. With right? the classy stuff. I, I want to say there's, there's a, at least one more time where this happens. Where Jim just presents the same idea. And right. it just gets better responses, right? Yeah. Right. Cause he's like, oh, let's go over this. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just love the look Andy gives. He just looks at him like, really, dude? Yeah. Come on. Come on. <laughs> and so I think Jim gets Michael on the, ur- it being an, ur- it needs to be an urban thing. Right. And so he goes to Stanley who, yeah, this is just Michael being Michael about how, like, all black people are urban, even though this has happened a couple times so yeah. far in the show. And, you know, <laughs> you know, Stanley almost always shoots him down unless it's about, you know, his raise. When we go, you know, from Women's Appreciation where he's doing the, the reviews, he's like, did you learn that the ghetto? Or on the street? Yes, in the ghetto, in fact. Yeah, for real. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so he's trying to, like, goad Stanley on to participating in this meeting, and Stanley, like, once or twice is like, you know, no, not me, leave me alone. Um, and then the fourth time, Michael, like, continues to goad him on, we get the title of our episode. Did, Did uh, I stutter? Yes. Yeah. And it's a really great framing, actually, because Toby's, like, right behind Stanley off to the side, because... Toby kind of becomes integral in catalyzing the conversation that's mm-hmm. bound to happen at the end of this episode. So um, Michael calls the meeting or whatever. Everybody leaves. Theoretically, I bet no one's really thinking much of it, you know. But Toby, as an HR guy, oh no, uh, uh, no, see, I, I disagree. Like, I th- it, it looked like it was like the full record scratch on going on that meeting, like, you know. Yeah, but like I don't think that people walk away from that thinking that it's okay to undermine Michael moving forward. I think they just understand that Stanley was really mad at Michael in that particular occasion and maybe not to push Stanley. You know, I I think it maybe affected more their view on Stanley as opposed to Michael. Probably. Yeah. Uh, Because Toby's perspective is that like you can't have this type of behavior as a manager, you know? Right. But I don't think – Stanley was like raising a, a resistance army against Michael's insanity, you know? Right. But like, you know, and part of me lo- like looking at this and everything else uh, is interesting to me because I mean, I believe it is actually a fireball offense. I'm pretty sure if they were to have let Stanley go, they would have had cause and he would have no recourse to sue. Hmm. I'm pretty sure. I mean, it's thin, but I, I don't think there would be a lot of recourse there. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Because um, I'm sure it's like in an employee handbook. It's somewhere with like respect and yada, yada. Well, that open insubordination is generally a cause for termination. Yeah. Generally. Uh, I'm not super up on my HR law anymore. But <laughs> uh, but I do like, you know, cause like you're saying, like I did like seeing Toby doing his job. Right. You know, this isn't before he's beat down and just completely checked out yet. So he's actually still trying to like do the stuff. And maybe he's reinvigorated a little bit because he's decided he's leaving. So he's like giving in his all before he leaves kind of deal. Yeah, that's possible for sure. 
Um, yeah, but well, I mean, Toby generally is like cares does care about his job, you know. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think it's it's a little reasonable, but um. So he goes into Michael's office and he's like, you know, well, this is kind of a serious thing and you should talk to Stanley about it. Michael's trying to play it off as a joke and Stanley says, did I stutter? And I'm like, whoa, 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 what? dog. And <laughs> that, that old classic line. But, um, you know, eventually he says, yeah, I'll talk to Stanley. You know, mm-hmm. get out of my office. You make my stomach hurt. So it's psychological. <laughs> um, then what? Where, where's my, my notes well, we here? sort of get like I guess what could be considered the B plot with uh, Dwight flipping Andy's Xterra mm, oh yeah yeah which is like I don't know weird again it's it's Dwight's like trying out this new like mind control technique where he just counts well, down and tries to pressure people into making choices which is like not not a not a tactic you know well, my my thought was is does he is is he actually trying out something new or is this just the first time we're seeing it? Because mm-hmm. it really is sort of um, like maybe it's one reason he's so good at sales, like he just gets people to commit, you know? Yeah, I mean, he does try it on Michael, and similarly, I think that's kind of like a bit of a insubordinate thing for him to have done the way he does it, you know? Mm-hmm. He like has this uh, like the Dwight Schrute emergency line or something where Dwight basically controls the entirety of the company and uh, the entirety of the branch. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) One thing I will say, not a fan of the Xterra, just putting it out there. Yeah. My, uh, my mom was got an Xterra for sure. And, um, it didn't end up happening. She got a Suzuki esteem, which was worse. (laughs) I generally like Nissans, but I'm not a, not a big fan. I don't know. I haven't driven an Xterra recently, so they might have changed it up. But like the older Xterra, I just wasn't a fan of. I mean, I didn't even know they had more than like one or two versions of the Xterra. Because all the Xterras I've ever seen look like Andy's Xterra. Right. They know they're still making, well, I think they're still making them. Hmm. And we we have this great line from Stanley, which really informs the character. He's like, you know, as I told my first wife, or he's like, hey, I don't apologize when I think I'm wrong. I told that to my first wife, and I'll tell it to my second wife, and I'll tell it to the, my third wife. That's right. So we we already know that he's like doesn't think his marriage is gonna last here. So. Yeah. Um, Nissan Xterra. First generation was produced from 99 to, well, 99 to 2001, then 2002 to 2004. Then there's a second generation, which is 2005 to 2015. Then there was an update in 2009, update in 2014. So Andy's driving possibly the second generation once, and this is around 2008. Yeah. I can't see a picture of them, but I think they all look basically the same still. Yeah, the the later updated one is a little smoother, I guess, but Jacob doesn't like you, Xterra, so I'm gonna close your tab. <laughs> I like the way they look. They just they don't I didn't like the way they drove. Anyway, yeah. but so this is something we've we've touched on a couple of times. Uh but the fact that it seems like Jim loses his authority in season five. Mm. And so when Dwight is going through the flow chart of um of things Jim is over Stanley when it comes to sales. Dwight says yes. Jim can do it, but only when it comes to sales. 
So I thought that was interesting. And we also, like in the next episode, we get another thing that says that Jim is the second command in the office, which he also loses somehow. I think it's just a weird sort of a retcon thing that keeps coming up. Yeah, I'm looking at the chart here. I'm just going to disregard the yellow line, which shows cowardly. This. Yeah, Jim... Well, because the, the title is according to the org chart here. Excuse me while I move my microphone. Um, original assistant, regional manager. That's what it says original. That's weird. Um, but then, yeah, Jim is the assistant regional manager. Oh, Dwight is original assistant regional manager. That's what it is. Uh. And then, right, Jim's line goes directly over sales. We've got Andy. Regional director in charge of sales, then Phyllis and Stanley. Um, and of course, since Dwight made this chart, Dwight is actually a little bit above Jim, even though technically <laughs> speaking, they are probably like similarly equal positions if this was a real organizational chart. Well, if you, well, when we hit in a job fair, the ranking of the office, according to Dwight, is. Michael, Jim, Andy, him. Well, Andy and him, right? Because when Jim's not around, Andy and Dwight are in charge. And then when Andy's not around, Dwight's in charge. Is that what he said? I thought he said Andy's in charge, and when Andy's not in charge, here I'm in charge. Yeah, Dwight would never admit that Andy's above him in anything, (laughs) especially during this whole Angela debacle at the moment, I think. But... um. Yeah, and also, I mean, based on that, that's interesting because that would indicate that Jim has no oversight over Kelly or the accountants. Right, which is also a weird organizational structure, but it's Dunder Mifflin. Do we really expect him to be any any, any good? No, I, I expect them to be bought out by another company probably because <laughs> they are running like dog crap. We do right. get a wonderful Creed line in this episode. Where he's talking about how, you know, Pam is super blind. He's like, you know, a lot of those jazz cats, they're blind, but you stick a piano in front of them, they can play like crazy. So I want to see what happens if we stick a piano in front of her. And I also want to see her topless. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, Creed's a creepy guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not nearly as creepy as Kevin going up to Pam in, like, really being sleazy, like, you know, all my girlfriends have worn glasses. Could you say these books are due by Thursday? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so creepy. Yeah, I mean, so at that point, she takes off her glasses and is basically blind for the rest of the episode. Um. Also, what happens is um, Ryan shows up again talking to Toby. And as Jim's walking by, Ryan does this real crafty move where he calls Jim in. It talks about the eagles. How do you uh, how do you live with yourself supporting a team like this? Um, but this all turns into a, a, a trap to give Jim a formal warning about his job performance because he spends too much time messing around with Dwight and hanging out with Pam. And um, obviously, this is a kind of reaction based on. Jim having a good suggestion and telling it to Wallace instead of going through Ryan. Right. Um, And then this sets this kind of, well, so already the competition has been set in the previous episode, but now this causes Jim to feel like he has to try harder 
uh, which will be discussed in the next episode. But um, it's Jim versus Ryan. You know the two uh, mm. the two snarky guys. You know your original every everyday Joes uh, going head to head, and it's awkward. <laughs> so here's something, uh, and I was thinking about this. Uh, th- this was actually a period of time where the Eagles were pretty good. Um, let's see. They won the conference in 2004, their division, 04, 06, 2010, 2013. Playoff appearances, 01, 02, 03, 04, 06, 08, 09, 2010. So, I don't know. It's sort of a bad reference to say they're bad because they weren't, right. they weren't, they weren't like, you know, the Patriots or whatnot, but they weren't, they weren't a bad team. Right. By any stretch of the imagination. Um, yeah. I mean, again, maybe more just like just lines that they wrote, maybe not the best way to deliver that information. Uh, I'm sure they really, really thought that, uh, two dudes, Nine years later, would be dissecting this show line by yeah, line. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he gets this warning, and it's terrible. Um, he doesn't really tell anybody. I mean, as far as I know, Pam doesn't even know for most of it, right? Well, he straight up lies to to Pam about it. He's like, she's like, so what was that about? He's like, oh, you know, just internal working stuff, right? So this is like the first time we really see him like lie to, to Pam, which is stuff we sort of see for the rest of the show. Like he'll, if he thinks it's best, he'll lie to Pam. Right. It's, you right. know, to not worry or, or whatever. Bad idea. But we see, I mean, we see that a lot, you know, season eight, season nine, we see it come up more and more. Yeah. That's because Jim's a bad guy, Jacob. <laughs> He's not good enough for Pam. You know what? I, I agree. So uh, so Michael no. decides yeah. to pull out one of his favorite things, which I don't know why it's one of his favorite things, but he's going to fake fire Stanley. Right. This is like, like the third time he's fake fired somebody. Because he did it with Pam. I think he does it with Aaron. And he tries yeah. it here. And so he tells he everybody with Pam twice. That's right. He did, yeah. He does it in season one and he does it again in that episode where he fake fires Aaron also. Right. Uh, yeah. So he tells everybody like, well, if you hadn't told us, we would have acted the way you wanted us to act. Right. Uh, which comes to this really great interaction. So Stanley's just berating Michael at this point. You know, because he's trying. He's like, you're forgiven. Is there anything you want to say to me? And Stanley just, he loses it and goes after him. And Michael eventually yells at him and tells everyone to get out. Right. Um, and I do like how, like, Michael does two things I, I thought were really good in here. Uh, so he's like, he's like, um, he gives him one more chance. He's like, you know, tell me and understand why you don't like me. He's like, and so... Santa tells him, I don't respect you. I would do everything differently, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And when Michael realizes that he's not going to change Stanley's mind, he just, he bosses up, mans up and just like, Hey, I'm the boss period. Yeah. 
no more yeah. no you have to do this or you're gonna you gotta leave one of the two you know and i imagine this does kind of instill some respect from stanley at this point right and, and you do kind of see that he never again <laughs> openly just kind of goes after michael again right right i mean or at the very least not for a while because uh, i think everybody has their odds and ends with michael again but uh yeah it's a good moment um and i really like the way the cameras are used you know you got a camera in the uh the kitchen area kind of like peeking through the blinders and then you got another camera who is in the office but in the entryway looking at the conversation through michael's office like through both windows right so it's another one of those like rare moments where they're like hey uh, this is done by a camera crew you know right you can yeah you get the feel of of actually watching it instead of just it being a TV show. Right, right. Uh, so that's a, that's a fun one. Um, yeah, and it's good. Again, like you said, Michael steps up and it shows that, you know, even though he's kind of crazy, he does actually have these moments where he's, you know, a respectable boss to some degree. Maybe he's not the best manager, but he does understand his people, you know? Right. Well, it's, you know, it's definitely, he does, you definitely see that he understands he has the authority. He just doesn't want to use it. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't want to have to just be, you know, come down and be like, be like, look, you've got to do this. Period. Right. right. Um, yeah, I mean, so that's great. Next time we see them in a meeting, um, you know, Michael's got some more crazy suggestions and, Stanley instantly answers may have potential to be your best idea yet, which is like, obviously it, it has gotten through. Right. And then Angela, uh, Angela, Phyllis says something like, uh, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and Michael goes, damn it, Phyllis, everybody. Out. Uh, and I just love to think that this is now Michael's go-to tactic for dealing with insubordination, you know, kicking everybody out of the actual office to have this one-on-one conversation well, as if there's no meeting rooms or anything, you know? Well, I feel like since they were, it, I feel like the reason he kicked everybody out of the office was Stanley because it was happening right in the middle. Right. So I kind of got the impression that they kept the thing with Phyllis in the conference room. Right. That's fair. Um, and I'm just trying to see if there's any more that's worth noting about the Xterra stuff, but Dwight buys the Xterra from Andy for less. He cleans it and then tries to sell it again for more. Right. Um, and this is all a way for him to kind of show up Andy in front of Angela, you know, mm-hmm. kind of be like, look, I took your man's car. <laughs> I'm selling it for more money. Right. Um, Dwight declares that it is already on eBay, which, and he's got a three-way bidding war. So that that's basically where that story peters out. But, you know. Well, he also has that Mad Lib. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, on both occasions is like barely a Mad Lib because <laughs> – uh, what do you call it? Um, Andy and Angela start going at it and Angela's kind of this wholesome lady and she has no real good words. So she's using words like nice and cat food and she thinks it's hilarious because it's so silly. But, um, similarly, I mean, if you really look at the, uh, the ad lib that Dwight gives, it's a, just a notepad, right? So it's not even a, uh, sheet of paper that he's filling in the blanks. He literally just wrote full sentences insulting Andy. And then um, 
plugged in words that make 100% sense within the context of the sentence that he has already set up. So it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. But that's where that is. Um, if I had to rate this episode, Mr. Jacob, I think I'm going to give the episode probably a four out of five uh, Nissan Xterras, which is the exact number of Xterras everybody should have. <laughs> four out of five. Yeah, that's what I think. I mean, it, it's a it's a good episode. I, I you know I think especially at this point in the show's run. They take us out of the office a lot, so I appreciate when we have a really good one of them, I think. Right. Uh, I did really like this episode a lot. Um, again, not major plot. It's my, it's a, you know, it's a character episode. It's a character, it's a Michael, it's a really Michael um, Stanley character development episode where you also get, you know, some more antagonation. Antagonation, is that a word? I don't know. It, it is now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, between Ryan and Jim. It also, you know, when there's a talking head with Toby where he's like, yeah, all that time that Jim sta- stays at <laughs> Pam's desk talking to Pam. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but uh, so I'm going to give this a 3.5 out of 5 hot girls and Xterras. All right. So we both went Xterra. On this we farm. did, yeah. That makes sense. It's a it's a great motor carriage. <laughs> uh, we're coming into job fair, the next last episode of the season, written by Lee Eisen Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stupinski, which seems to be a very common duo. They yeah, almost they're almost them. always together uh, when they write an episode. Directed by Tucker Gates and. So, yeah, of, of the three episodes we're doing today, it's probably my favorite. I, enjoy, okay. I really enjoy this episode. Yeah, this one has uh, not a lot going on, really. Um, this sets up some, like, really long-term stuff for uh, Pam and Jim. Right. Um, it kind of furthers a little bit the Jim versus Ryan plot. Um and then there's a little bit of Dwight and Angela going on. So there's kind of like three stories. The Dwight and Angela thing is like really side. Yeah, it's like really very minor. much a side story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, there's uh, there's some important stuff that happens in the next episode with the two of them. So that you know, it's kind of necessary in this episode, I guess. But uh, essentially, we've got Jim going out on a sales call to a golf course with Andy and Kevin. Why right. Kevin? I don't know. Well, why Andy, I don't know. Because Kevin seems to be actually be a decent golfer. The only thing I could figure is that um, a lot of times you play golf in foursomes. Okay. Uh, Some some courses require or they don't – well, a lot – some courses will require a foursome. So – so all the people out there in podcasting, you're going to get a little golf knowledge here because I used to be a very talented – well, I shouldn't say very talented. Semi-talented golfer. Okay. <laughs> More okay. talented than most. <laughs> Add that to the uh, inside of Jacob podcast, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Become in Jacob. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, well, I've always wondered too if Kevin comes along because he's an accountant. So I don't know if he's there to be able to like help with insight about like pricing maybe. See, I can I mean, see Kevin's that. Kind of like the worst one to come, obviously. But uh, 
And then Andy, I don't know, I figure like Andy, because maybe the goal is for like the two of them to kind of double team it, although Andy is like not in the loop at all. So that's probably right. not what well, it is. But also of the three accountants, Kevin seems to be the only one who's athletically, well, he, well right. he's definitely he's more athletically inclined than Oscar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it seems like he's actually a decent athletic person, I guess. Yeah. Um, so they're meeting with a, uh, a fellow. Um, he's a ju- he's junk mail. Yeah, junk mail. And he, uh, he is a alum of Dartmouth College. Which is not to be confused with the same guy, with the, the junk mail guy from season eight. Right. Different, different junks. Um, and then just an NBC kind of uh, note here, this junk mailman eventually becomes the city manager of uh, Pawnee, Indiana. Oh, yep, yep. He yeah. does, doesn't he? <laughs> I guess he moved out. That's right. <laughs> um, yep, so that that's where they go. Then we got uh, Michael, Pam, Oscar, and Daryl who go to the job fair at the local high school. Another reason why Kevin might have gone because Oscar was going to the job fair and I don't think uh, Angela's she doesn't seem like a golfer to me. Right. And then at that point, we definitely need an accountant left in the office, probably, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, um, Angela doesn't uh, seem like someone who likes to be outside for more than 20 or 30 minutes. No, it's true. Well, and then, of course, too, there's like the production reasons because the actress is very pregnant at this point. So it's easier to very hide her pregnant. behind different things in the office. Yeah. Um, so they go to this job fair, happens to be at the same high school that, uh, Pam actually graduated from, so we we'll we'll talk about some moments there, and then that basically leaves Dwight in charge of the office, where he lists who's in charge, and everybody ends up leaving aside from Angela. So I don't know where Toby is during this. I don't know. Maybe he's or Kelly like for that matter. I don't think I don't remember seeing Kelly either. Yeah, I assumed Kelly would have left, just because. She probably doesn't want to be at work, but yeah, Toby would be like a stickler for rule, so I feel like he'd want to stay, but. Right. So I don't know. There, there's two things I want to hit. So if, when they first get to the gym where this career fair is, Pam starts talking about PMS to get out of playing volleyball. Yes. And but she loves to play volleyball, according she to does. season five. She played some in college, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so it's just a weird retcon. And I mean, this does happen because I know things changed a lot in season five, different writers, you know, showrunners, that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's just a weird retcon to me that this like. Yeah. I mean, well, one, I don't know if I knew Pam went to college. Uh, that's that's like, true. That's right. That's one of the first weird things about that particular comment. And the second thing is while I see it narratively to have, you know, this kind of like quiet, shy, receptionist be really good at volleyball and be really aggressive at it is like a funny thing. Um, but yeah, when only one season prior, they have like her make a specific comment about being like a pretty typical high school girl that I went to school with who was like, you know, wearing their jeans under their sweatpants cause they didn't want to get dressed for whatever gym was that day. And, uh, right. But it, it seems like it there, it's established for a long time in the show that she's not into sports at all. You know, booze cruise. It's very much, uh, you know, Roy says, Oh, she was miss, miss artsy fartsy. 
Right, right, right. If yeah, so yeah, it's, that's true. So really, that retcon as a whole is just kind of coming from a weird place, right? Because yeah. I mean, because they've set up more that she wouldn't be into volleyball than or that one sport line in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's questionable. And then uh, it, uh, we did we already see we've already seen the one with ping pong, right? Yes. So I mean, even then, she's really terrible at ping pong, which. It's a lot different from volleyball, but if you're collegiate level volleyball, you have the hand-eye coordination to play ping pong a little bit. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, it seems like they're kind of banking on some like funny girl jokes here, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, I'm harping on this, but this is one of the biggest retcons in the show, and it bugs the shit out of me. Yeah, no, you're totally right. It's very weird, and it's like a very, I mean, it happens during um, uh, the comedy picnic episode, which is a big episode because at the very end we find out that Pam is pregnant. Right. So like, it's really kind of integral to that, the plot of that episode because then it's like a loss that she's not on the team anymore, and. Jim leaves to go to the hospital with her and it's like a whole thing. And yeah, so it, it's really weird. It kind of comes out of nowhere and it's never really brought up again after that. Right. Um, and then also too, because Jim's career down the road takes such a sports centric thing. Similarly, Pam is like really kind of uninterested or she's supportive of Jim. Right. Right. But, um, you know, she, some of the sacrifices that are going to be necessary moving forward, um, you know, obviously she's more reluctant to take. And if, you know, she's into any kind of sport, all the information we have prior is that she doesn't give a damn, right? Mm-hmm. Which follows more in line with how she acts with athlete later on than this weird spur of the moment, I like volleyball kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So it's weird. You're right. It's weird. So it's writers weird. of the office, I mean, <laughs> you know, hit us up. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. Also, Andy says he hit twelve hundred golf balls. Granted, when I was you know practicing and stuff, it would probably take me two hours to hit a hundred golf balls. But I was much more deliberate than a lot, he probably was would be. But still, he would have had to be hitting balls for. I mean, even at like a hundred every thirty minutes, you're talking six hours. Like I just don't yeah. know physically how you do that. Yeah, a hundred in an hour is tough. That's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, it's all yeah, because I mean you're 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 putting down and hitting balls quicker, like more balls in a minute. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, part of me thinks maybe if he just like sh- had a bunch of golf balls strewn about, it would just kind of <laughs> walk into the line trying to whack at. Well, him I whatever. mean. I mean, unless you're like hitting driver and teeing it up, you just generally have the balls in on a pile and you just pull them over. Right. But again, I mean, he would just destroy. Yeah. He'd destroy a piece of grass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So Michael has this grand idea that he's going to be hip and cool. So he shows up and he like, he comes out of his office. He's got like this polo and jacket and jeans and like some kind of like vans or sketchers yeah, or sneakers of some type yeah <laughs> and everyone else is all dressed up you know pam's kind of like she's sort of in the middle but you know dwight and um daryl are wearing you know 
white. Oscar's Oscar, wearing a full suit, yeah. and Daryl's wearing the tie. He's not wearing the jacket, but he's got the button up and the tie, you know. Right. And apparently it looks like a Barack Obama, but let's be fair. It looks like it would have to be like three Obamas for him to be the same size as Daryl. Fat jokes. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, you know, Pam looks like Pam. She's kind of going. I mean, she's a little more casual, I think, than usual. But, um, yeah. It probably feel. I don't know. This is one of those things I, I cannot relate to in any way because I was homeschooled. Mm-hmm. But, like, I would think it would feel weird to go back to your high school. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, my uh, my brother, my me and my brother move around all the time, but we happen to have gone to the same high school like six years apart. So when he had a performance or whatever, it was really weird for me to go back for sure. I haven't been back as a proper adult. So being a late 20-something like Pam is in the show, to go back to your high school, it's kind of weird. I do think um, – you know, there's like a weird kind of mentality sometimes when it comes to like your high school days because people either like idolize high school or they'll idolize their time in college and they'll kind of pull back on it. And high school was this time for Pam, presumably where she first met Roy, right? Right. She had her whole life ahead of her. Um, her art was like a, a noteworthy thing because later on we see that she goes into mm-hmm. the art room and it was hung up and stuff. So... Um, considering where her life is at now, despite being with Jim, you know, her job's not great and, you know, whatever. Uh, I could see for her specifically kind of like reminiscing about that time in a way that is really unique to Pam, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, like, I wonder how many, like, high schools, because you would figure that screen isn't that big, right? Right. So you figure right. Michael would have gone there as well unless they weren't – unless they're going to a different, like, area. Maybe they weren't going to – they well, they didn't go to Screen High proper. So – Yeah. Well, then we find out that Michael was raised a little outside of Scranton. I forget. But, uh, I mean, because I know when he's talking to Tim Meadows back at Chili's, he makes a lot of comments about, like, how he was raised in the area. But I always wondered if that was just sales talk. Yeah, it could have been. Michael Scott biography. Michael's hometown is Scranton. Born March fifteenth, nineteen sixty four. Two days from now, Ides of March. Guys, get your get your uh, Brutus knives out and <laughs> stab Steve Carell. I guess no, that's not the right message. Don't do that. Don't do that. Please, God, don't do that. Because Jay Ray's going to prison if one of you does that. <laughs> I don't think we ever mentioned it on here, but that was like a funny joke he did a couple weeks ago where he tweeted like the office is coming back and everybody lost it. But then it was like some other show. I forget what show it was. But. Right. Uh, and so Michael has this in, in typical Michael fashion, has this grand idea for this job fair where he only brings a single sheet of paper. Right. It's, you know, when Justin, who is this, I don't know. I would say a normal looking kid. I mean, he's kind of got, he looks like a teenager. I don't know. They all, they all look like they're 12 to me at this point. But, uh, he, he's just like, he starts kind of berating him. He's like, maybe hobby should, or paper should just be a hobby for you. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, it's another revisit of 
actual Michael who is mean and doesn't get it and awkward and thinks everything should be beautiful. Head. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah. So kind of pushes Justin away. Harry and the Henderson style without the <laughs> good intentions. Um, Justin signs the paper, the single sheet of paper. And then Pam has this really great bit where it's like verbatim. She recounts why she only brought one sheet of paper. She's <laughs> like, and I, I mean, I wish I had written it down, but um, I mean, it's a great line, but and it's like so my coffee and you said it was only allergies. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and Michael, like, and you could tell, and he knows he's lying, but he still says, no, I don't remember. <laughs> So then she has to scour the high school for a new sheet of paper where we get the uh, the art room reminiscence. Um, and it's a little sad, right? Because her picture's not out there anymore, which again makes sense. It was like a decade ago. Um, but, you know, she's definitely trying to hang on to like this better time and she's having some conflicts about going away from her art and that kind of thing. Right. Uh, but we have that moment. Well, she comes back with a sheet of paper. Yeah. Well, we, we, we know that in this season from the uh, local ad that she is still actively pursuing art in some academic fashion. We don't know exactly what it is, but we do know it's there. Right. Which we, we can jump. We're just going to jump around. So, it, so at the very end of the episode, she meets up with Nick, the IT guy. <laughs> about you yeah. know doing design stuff which yes everyone points that out i swear to god that shows up on the subreddit like every two weeks someone's like oh yeah, my god like, it's hey, did you notice yeah um but he's like so we know she's got some talent right with especially with that 3d logo she did for the app for the commercial but she says she doesn't know photoshop and that just doesn't and a couple of like dream, maybe not Dreamweaver, uh, but I don't know. You you probably know those programs better than me, but I I just don't. That doesn't compute in my head. Of why she needs to know them or why she doesn't know them. Why she doesn't know them when she does have this at least at least some looks like Photoshop and Flash ability. Well, that's the thing. I mean, what she did. Uh, I guess you could make in you could make in Photoshop or Flash, either or. I know Photoshop, and it's more complicated, I think, because Flash is more conducive toward that. But part of me wonders if maybe she did it in a more traditional animation style. You know, like what if she really did just draw it frame by frame, you know, and then just like kind of layer everything on, um, using some other rudimentary way to make that like a video file of some type um which obviously she doesn't know either right right because i forget um you know she makes all types of funny catchphrase jokes when ryan asks her for a logo um because obviously she doesn't get it and we also she's also been shown not to be very technological savvy to begin with so it's not 100 percent clear how she ended up making this thing the uh the commercial thing if I had to pick out what was weird in this, uh, sorry, I heard myself echo. Um, if I had to pick out what was weird, I'd say Pam making that thing at the end of the commercial is weirder, I think. Because everything yeah. that we've led to believe is that she draws, she paints, she does watercolors. It's very traditional artwork, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, how she got it onto that damn video file is crazy. And then this job fair goes back to that old classic Pam not knowing how to do the fancy stuff. Be more consistent, damn it. 
Yeah. Damn you, writers for a show that's already. <laughs> well, not for nothing, but it's Pam. I know. Like she's your main. She's one of your main characters. Like, stop messing around with that shit. <laughs> so, so we also learn that Jim, uh, from from his hat and clubs and stuff, is a Callaway golfer. Which I'm a Cal- I'm a fan of the Callaway golf clubs. Uh, they're my favorite brand. So that was cool. Jacob likes Callaway. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I don't know what any of that is. So that's good to know that it's a thing. <laughs> They're being accurate there. Okay. So everyone leaves, right? And so it's just, yeah. So it was just Dwight and Angela. And so I had this thought when I first, when I, when it first happened and I was watching it, you know, I even wrote down the note, why didn't Dwight leave? Right. But then if you think about it, Dwight is the best salesman. Probably because he puts in way more time than everybody else. So mm. actually him not leaving, him leaving would have been more out of his character. Unless, of course, he had paintball or laser tag. But, right. you know, that, yeah. So that, 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 that was an interesting, like, once I started thinking about it, I was like, oh, that actually does make sense for his character. That he wouldn't leave. He would stay, right. do his job, and then leave at the appropriate time. Appropriate yeah. time. Right. And then same thing with Angela. She's just she likes rules. We've already known that she doesn't take sick days and stuff like that. So, um, despite the lack of leadership, she wouldn't leave the office either. Right. Well, and also with because um, well, the other two accountants are out. Yeah. So what oh, I, I would assume there would be a backlog of work. I, I could understand her needing to stay because she does right. have more work to do. Right. Um, just a side note here about uh, Nick, the IT guy. According to uh, theoffice.wikia.com, it says, quote, Pam does not seem to recognize the graphic designer interviewer, Nick, in the episode Saber, who has been hired as an IT specialist. So, and the proper wiki page says that the actor plays both parts. So... The this fan based wiki seems to indicate that it's the same character, but the standard Wikipedia is indicating that it's just two separate characters played by the same actor. Uh, yeah, it, but it, it would also go into the joke that no one can remember his name. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so it, you know what? If I were to run into someone who interviewed me two years ago. Well, off the you know on the street somewhere. I don't know if I'd recognize them. Right. Um, that's fair. Um, and he was like sitting down, so him being like well, the super it, tall guy, you wouldn't really recognize and stuff like that. And that conversation seemed like it lasted. It wasn't like even an interview. There was like it was like a two minute conversation. Yeah, but you know, it, it does set Pam on this path, though. It was like a pretty important moment for Pam. Right. Because um, we find out immediately after that that she starts applying for colleges or arts programs and stuff, and she gets in. Right. I, I would. I could give her the benefit of the doubt here, but all, again, it also plays in the joke that she no one remembers who this guy is. Right. Right. You know, I think they end up calling him Garth for a while or something. I think that's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. 
Yeah, I mean, really nothing much happens back at the office, so we could pretty much tidy this part up. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, they mostly go about their work. There's some awkward moments where uh, Dwight's trying to make some copies and Angela has to wait, even though I'm pretty sure there's a copy machine in the annex. Um, Angela sneezes. Dwight says, bless you. Other way Angela around. says, thank you. Oh, way around. Okay, that's right, yeah. Um, and, the, you know, that's worth note because Angela hasn't really been talking to Dwight at all since right. the split. Um, and then eventually the office day's over. They're packing up at the same time. Dwight holds the door open for Angela. She says thank you, and there's some real sincerity in her voice, and they leave. And, you know, it's probably the first positive interaction they had, you know, since right, the split. Right. So mm-hmm. um, it's kind of nice. <laughs> I think it gets sullied in the next episode by some of the gratuitousness that we see. <laughs> but it was a very nice moment between the two of them in this episode. Right. It definitely very much was a, uh, like, Oh, maybe they're, maybe they can be friends again. Right. That's right. Again, this is one of those things where it kind of feels a bit truncated that this happens and then the next episode they're, they're boning again. But, uh, you know, it seems like it would, there would be at least one more episode of in between if they had a normal season, you know? Right. Right. Um, so we're back at the golf course and, you know, Jim keeps trying to do his sales pitch to this guy every once in a while. And the guy's pretty, he's like not interested at all. He's batting him off left and right. And he's being a bit of a dick bag. Eventually he crashes his golf cart. Or Andy um, crashes the golf cart. Yeah. Um, Kevin is betting everything. I think he stole petty cash. Well, he, he um, got, I no, got it from Oscar. Right. Uh, and all the games he lists off are actual games, like uh-huh. in turn for betting. Uh, I've only played like one of them. I wasn't a big gambler on golf besides like lunch. Right. <laughs> I would, that wasn't my, my jam, but, uh, I did look them up once and they're all real games. I see. So, uh, uh yeah, cause some of those names are crazy. AC Ducey. Yeah. Bingo, ben- bango, bongo or something. Yeah. Uh, skin skins is the most common betting game, but uh, and then there's like Nassau, which is a form of skins. It's it's yeah. There's so many things to bet in in golf. There's a ton of ways to do it. Right, right. Um, yeah. I mean, so ultimately, the meeting's about to end without Jim making that sale. Right. Um. And the dude's about to head out and Jim has it like this. Well, he has a phone call with Pam and he gets an urge. You know, he's like, I got to do it for her. Gets right. shot down again. And then as he's leaving, he gets one more like resurgence of like, I could do it. Blocks the dude's car. Apparently he's there for 15 minutes. <laughs> and he said um, something like about how the fella had a, couldn't get out of the sand trap he was in and he didn't want to take the mulligan. And uh, Jim has as much perseverance you know right that he'd call every day over the next year until he got his business eventually got his business uh and then they head back to the office um and then back at the job fair um so the funny bit about that piece of paper thing is that pam has to actually go back to the office to get a new sheet of paper right and she doesn't Um, notice that everyone is gone right except for angela and dwight when she goes back to get it yeah, yeah. Um, 
So she grabs it, goes back. And also, too, I was surprised that she still only grabs one piece of paper. Right. I feel like at that point, don't you bring, like, you know, the whole thing? And Even then if just you just show put Michael it in your car. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, so they go back. No one's coming up. There's actually a deleted scene that's kind of, like, really sad. But Oscar's talking to this young lady who doesn't really know what she wants to do, but she's good at math, and she seems like she'd fit in with the accountants and stuff, and Oscar really likes her. But he has this realization that um, it's a terrible place to work, right? Right. It just kind of like steals your life force or whatever. So in this deleted scene, they have this conversation. And eventually he says, you know, really, I don't think you'd fit in or whatever. And like she kind of feels hurt about it, kind of confused. My second Harry and the Hendersons reference here, uh, but this one in the positive where Oscar's really trying to save this girl from the terrible life that he feels he's got working at this company. Um, but aside from that, yeah, we don't really get any traffic um at the booth for obvious reasons Um, yeah so this causes michael to leave the booth run up to the microphone and kind of make this grand announcement about like you know work at dunder mifflin we can't give you college credit we cannot pay you um but it's a great place to work they eventually are able to offer college credit right because who gets it is it his nephew no or Uh, oh, it's those three. In the those three, of. right? Where yeah. that's when we find out that Stanley's having an affair. That's right. Is that was that episode. Yeah, it's episode one of season six. Right. Um. So he's trying to. So he starts insulting all these things like Bush League and stuff. Right about to insult the Air Force, but the dude gives him a stern look, and he's like, "The Air Force is cool." Like the Air Force, they're cool. <laughs> um. So eventually. Security comes up. He's like, work at Dunder Mifflin, uh, but it's it's fruitless, you know? Right. And he, uh, he feels real bummed about it. So they go back to the office. So now these two groups are converging. Angela, Angela and Dwight have left. They've had their moment. Um, Andy, Kevin, and Jim are drinking beers, I believe. Yeah. And uh, we find out that Jim closed the deal, and Pam and Jim embrace, and eventually they kiss, and... Michael does a little talking head where he's like, if a guy like Jim, you know, is doing all right working at where I work, then, you know, obviously where I work is not such a bad place. Right. Well, there's also the really awkward thing. Because, like, so Jim and Pam start kissing and Andy and Kevin make some, uh, you know, noises and stuff and kind of let it go. And, like, Michael comes up and, like, right in her ear, like... Kiss her. Kiss her good. Yeah. It's like the most awkward thing ever. There's another great bit, too, in that scene where um, Kevin's clearly doing, like, the porn base. Yeah. He does, like, the bounce chicka wow wow. And Andy, like, does not get it. He just thinks it's music. So he just comes in and he goes, do-do-do-do-do. Like, that's just more Andy being a fool. Um, yeah, that's roughly how that episode ends. Oh, but then like we kind of come back just before the credits and it's uh, kind of a flashback to Pam walking over to this graphic designer and uh, you know discussing that she doesn't know these things, but he puts in her mind going to school in New York. Or Philly. Or Philly, yeah, for like a good art program. And that's where we're left. Yep, yep, yep. So what do you think, J-Man? Uh... I really like this episode. It's like I said, it's probably my favorite of the three, but it's the one I'm going to give the worst score. I liked Great. it more than the other two, but I think the other two are better. 
Okay. So I gave this a three out of five bingo bango bongos. Reasonable. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good episode. And I think, um, I mean, really, I'm a sucker for like those human moments, you know? So all of that stuff that Pam goes through by herself and the stuff that Jim's going through by herself and then um, Angela and Dwight and all their like quiet interactions, I think those are done really well. So I'm going to give this episode 3.7 out of 5 blank sheets of paper. There you go. Uh, so next time, all you out there in podcast land, we'll be finishing up season four with Goodbye Toby doing our season four recap. And getting into the first episode of season five with weight loss. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. We're more than halfway through this series, I believe, right? Because there's mm. only nine. Uh, so we're doing it. Um, thanks for sticking with us. As always, if you've got comments, you know, rate us on iTunes and leave a comment there or talk to us on Reddit where we're there or become a Patreon and talk to us on our Discord channel. We always love to get feedback from you guys and um, – you know, there's some places you could follow us if you want. Follow us on Twitter at Broken Jars Pod. Uh, check us out on Instagram where Jacob's posting a lot of his nerd fit stuff. Uh, Broken Jars Broadcasting. Uh, if you're not watching this on YouTube, you can. Uh, just Broken Jars Broadcasting and you can see our lovely faces. And, uh, and we do have our own subreddit, which is our Broken Jars Podcasts. Yep, yep. So it looks like we are... We're halfway through in terms of season, but not episodes because season four is so short. Yeah, so we won't sense. hit the we won't hit the midway mark until. I mean, if you if you go with you know everything as two episodes, mm. uh, the midway mark is the end of season five. Okay. All right, so we're still chugging along quickly. Indeed. Um, <laughs> we only have like a year left. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Not bad. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, sorry for getting this one out late, but, uh, you know, we've all had some life stuff going on, but we're back, we're here, we're doing it, and, uh, we should be back with you in two weeks for our regularly scheduled episode. All right, well, y'all have a good one, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.